Good evening from Plunkett Studios. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And this is episode 462 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for March 5th, 2017, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This week, Motorola is poised to make a comeback, Amazon needs to get their reputation back, and Spotify is about to get some customers back. Wherever you are and however you may be joining us, whether it be live on Facebook or live stream, or syndicated on f5live.tv, iTunes on Mac or iPhone, Google Play Music Podcast for Android, Podcast Play in the Windows Store, or through Stitcher or another podcatcher, thank you for making us part of your day. This here is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live every Sunday night at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern for about an hour. Uh, we'll talk about uh, gadgets, gaming, internet media, the news of the week. And um, we're trying some new technology out tonight. We're going to see how it works. We've already had one small problem with it, which is okay. Um, that's one of the things that's kind of fun about the live show, joining us live, is that you never quite know what may or may not happen during the show, which is okay. Um, if you would like to join us live on uh, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can do that by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And from there, you can go either to live stream or Facebook live. Either way, you can join us and the thing that's really cool about the live show is you can chat with us in the studio during the show. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them, which is always a lot of fun. We love your feedback, especially on the Pilch Point with Abram Pilch over here, which will be on just a little while. We're going to talk about uh, some of the interesting things that he saw at Toy Fair this year. Um, we teased it a couple of weeks ago. We're going to get into some details, and I think he's got some uh, props to show off, which is always fun. Um, of course, you don't have to join us live. It is okay if you're unavailable during those times. You can also uh, listen to us syndicated on all of the platforms I mentioned before and more. We are kind of everywhere, which is wonderful. Um, so however you're joining us, that's great. You can subscribe to the show by going to f5live.tv, going to the menu and clicking on subscribe. From there, you can see all of our shows, including the two we've just talked about, First Looks, which will be live next week at the exact same link on Friday afternoon. Um, you can get to our special events coverage. All of our CES stuff is already up, but it's not the only special event of the year. Uh, and then we've got our other shows as well. Uh, definitely take a look there. And with that, I think the spiel is complete. Avram, how have you been since we didn't get to talk last week? Decent. You know, well, I was sick for a few days, but, you know, other than that, pretty pretty decent. Real busy at, at Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide, where I work, uh, preparing our tech support showdown, uh, which is our annual review of the tech support of the major laptop companies we call them we we use their websites live chat whatever to see how how good a job they do um people may be surprised at the results <laughs> uh, and that that will be up on laptopmag.com on wednesday or thursday this week okay um and uh been playing with some toys with my son <laughs> that i was sent uh sent be uh, to review so um so some cool things 
Very nice. Um, have you been playing with your Arduino project at all? A bit, yeah. So Excellent. I ha- oh, um, so uh, my coworker helped me, and he actually my coworker Mike Prospero helped me. And actually, one second. All right. Yeah, he's gonna go get his pro <laughs> reach for it. For those of you who don't know, he's been working on a bit of so, a project for uh, for Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide, where he's got a little robotic arm. That is a totally different setup than last we spoke. Yes. So I'm kind of copying. Uh, I, I can't really take too much credit for this at all. Uh, I have to hook it up to the board and try programming it. Um, my coworker, Mike Prospero, helped me execute on this, but we found the plans for this on instructables.com. Okay. Uh, somebody created something that looks pretty much identical to this called the tap bot, uh, and we were copying it. Um, it's the part I was just not um, good at doing is the gluing part. So sure. this is a uh, paperboard here, and there's a paperboard holding up the servo here, and that's glued on right here. Then there's a servo inside. Um, this is a radio antenna, basically. Um, that's the arm. And then here is a capacitive stylus, and it's been attached with a zip tie. Uh, on the other end, it's attached to the servo uh, with a zip tie. Okay. So servo, stylus, for antenna, zip ties, cardboard. Um, I'm not really good at like cutting cardboard nicely and gluing it nicely, and he did it in like five minutes at our office. <laughs> so my um, so what it will do is this is the arm, and it'll go and you put the you'll put we'll put the tablet or phone here, and it'll go and um, hopefully hard enough to actually register a tap on the screen. Right, and then. Doing that, we could create some kind of cool benchmark that involves like tapping the screen every few minutes or tapping and getting it exactly a certain time. Hey, I tapped it, tapped the Gmail icon now and then launched, and here's how many milliseconds it took or something sure. like that. So we'll be able to get like a really precision um, measurement for for some benchmarking. I'm kind of curious what benchmarks we would do, uh, but I think um, that has a better shot of like tapping hard enough. Than the previous model, which I still oh, it's plugged into my board. I still have here, which is like a telescoping arm here, which telescopes in like three different ways. But every time I had to tap a screen, it would just sort of not tap hard enough, and then it would like nudge the phone out of the way. So, oh. uh, so what I got to do part of the part of the part is probably to make the the phone like stable is take this Arduino board here. Um, Hook it up to the thing I just showed you, um, which is not hard because it's really only three wires, um, and uh, and then figure and then program and then just test it with um, manually using a potentiometer to actually turn it, and then we'll see if it does a job. And if it does a job, then I can program it to do something in an automated uh, fashion. Sure. So, uh, so that's that's where I'm at. Very I think cool. My biggest limitation is lack of desk space right now. I have so much <laughs> junk on my desk that I can't actually like do this properly. Um, I I can appreciate that. My uh, not not the news desk here in the studio, but my actual desk in the office is uh, sometimes um, covered in review products. So it's it's difficult. I have too many wires, and then I have my Raspberry Pi over here that I've been meaning to get to more and. You know, stuff like that. Um, 
By the way, astute folks will know that a new Raspberry Pi came out this week. Yes. With um, with uh, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, and it only runs ten bucks or something like that. Yep, yeah, they're sold out like everywhere. I was gonna, I was considering getting one. I still don't know exactly what to do with it, but it's cool. <laughs> I've got to do some research on it to find out uh, some of its capabilities to decide whether or not it's something I need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you uh, audience, you definitely don't want to use a Raspberry Pi as like a, a serious main computer. No. But you might want to if you were building a project, say like. This might be okay to be a little mini web server, which is what I'm going to try to do with it. Cool. Uh, and it, and the other one, because it's smaller, might actually even be better for my like little weather station project that I want to do yeah. in the house, which involves, um, although I don't know because I need the touch screen, so we'll see. But a, a little weather station project where I want to put like a, a little screen, like internet station screen on the wall near my front door and have... Um, have it uh what was gonna say and and have it so it shows me the weather before i leave the house sure and whether i should bring an umbrella and what coat i should wear and potentially what other things i need to bring uh for the day based on if i have a meeting or something so um sounds a lot like my smart mirror project yeah so <laughs> i think uh, you know while one could have all that stuff on a phone or whatever I, I would physically like to have it on my front door uh right next to my door so we'll see We'll see uh, if we can do that. Very cool. That I I love little projects like these, and it's probably one of the one of the things that keeps me so involved with uh, the first robotics is because there's there's in and out of season. There's so many people working on these little projects all around, and you know the the maker community in Tampa is pretty active. So it's it's fun to see what kinds of weird things people are working on. Yes. <laughs> They're they're the best. Yep, no doubt. All right, I guess with that we should probably get down to business. What do you think? Yep. This week's Nifty Gifties on F Five Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Right now, save uh, up to $200 on select Surface Pro 4 models. Um, there's also, we just got done with, with GDC, which we'll talk about a little later, and there are a number of Xbox One deals. Um, rumor has it there's a one terabyte going for 229 you might want to check out. Um, <laughs> of course, there are other products, not just the Surface Pro 4 and the Xbox. There's uh, Office 365, there's... Uh, other tablets and laptops and all kinds of computers and phones and even the HoloLens, all available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, uh, it, was a, it was a weird time because we had two big conferences kind of going at once, right? We had, there was GDC and Mobile World Congress and lots of things, lots of information coming out back to back. So let, let's talk about a little bit of information that's Mobile World Congress related. Um, and we'll talk about Motorola, the brand that seemingly all companies love to ignore. Um, they, since 
since they sold themselves to Google, they have been like the redheaded stepchild of everything. Google didn't pay them with respect. Uh, they owned a hardware division and had other people manufacture their Nexus devices. They, and then finally Google's like, you know what? That, that's it. We're done. And they sold it to Lenovo, who uh, decided to change its name. Which is weird, because they were already making their own phones, so it seems like the name would have been the thing you were buying, but you'd be wrong. Um, and so they tried to change it to Moto, and all of the branding was Moto, just Moto, and um, little did Lenovo know that was going to be a major undertaking that was never going to work, and so they have changed their mind. <laughs> they are officially going back to the Motorola name, they are officially uh, going back to the the weird Batwing logo that Motorola is going to be Motorola again and um, more because they're except it's not right because it's still owned by Lenovo. Fair enough. Although, although it's not clear to me and I could ask cause I know the folks at Lenovo pretty well, sure. how much of the development of the phones are, is still being done by the original, uh, you know, people. Well, the, the thing that I find most interesting about this is that the Motorola brand is going to usurp the Lenovo brand uh, in in the future and the Zook brand, which is not one that I'm even aware of. I don't know if that's one that you've encountered. Apparently, it's another mobile phone brand that Lenovo owns. Um, with time, the Motorola name is going to become the umbrella for all of Lenovo's phones. Now, they're not going to do the crazy thing they did this time and go um, think that they could just, you know, bewitched, blink their eyes and everybody's going to understand what happened. Uh, it's going to be transitional, right? Because there's com countries like uh, Russia and China who have no idea about Motorola. Yeah, Lenovo is that when they first made the acquisition, they told us, like, I talked to the people at Lenovo almost as more probably than I do to most Companies, because they're very forthcoming about a lot of things. So we end up meeting with them a few times a year. Sure. And and um, really, really good folks to deal with. And they they said, like, you know, we foresee Lenovo brand being the phone brand in, like, China, because no one's heard of Motorola there. Right. But in North America and South America, Motorola is the name, and we want to stick with that. And, you know, so I think there are places around the world where the Motorola name still still carries some weight on the right. other hand it seems odd to me like you know why not just pull the band-aid and, and call them all lenovo phones unless they're actually being developed somewhere else my understanding was that they did indeed you know buy the place you know they didn't just buy the name they right. did buy the the company yes um but they also had the redundancy of their own phone business right so I wonder if, and I haven't really asked about it too much. And by the way, whenever I meet with Lenovo, which is, they're usually showing me computers or tablets. If they show me a phone, it's a Lenovo phone. Mm -hmm. They don't show me a Motorola phone. Motorola gotcha. seems to have its own PR and its own events and its own press. And, and all of that seems to be uh, what they're saying is going to come to an end. It's going to be one family, one one company, one vision. Uh, and when it comes to phones, that 
that vision, that uh, that one company is going to be the Motorola brand. It won't happen tomorrow. It won't happen this year. If you're in one of those countries where Lenovo is the name you know, China, for example, um, they will slowly build up the Motorola name. Um, they won't just, you know, magic it, magic the Lenovo name away on phones because they've learned their lesson that branding changes are difficult. <laughs> they're not, they're not magic. They're not easy, but their intention is for Motorola to be the parent brand for phones and Lenovo to be the parent brand for, uh, more traditional computing devices, which is an you know, interesting idea. You know, here's the thing. I don't think that Lenovo's that Motorola's problem slash Lenovo's problem, uh, with phone sales. I mean, I think their phones are actually doing pretty well in some countries, but yeah. I don't think their problem, any of their problems in the U.S. market have anything to do with brand confusion. Um, in fact, they probably could very easily just bite the bullet and give everything Lenovo names since that's the parent company and because and and do that. And I don't think I mean, I don't know how much brand equity the, the Motorola name has at this point. Because it's had so many years of being a, you know, of kind of of, of disappointment. Yeah. That, that at this point, you know, what's it what's it worth? Like right. if you go back like seven eight years, wow, you know, that's a great name. But now, and I I blame. I have one. I think there's only one thing to blame. There foolhardy agreements with Verizon. I agree. I think that was that. I think I, I don't understand why um, Google felt the need to make the same stupid deal, but um, uh, I guess, I don't yeah. know. There must be some money, but it's, it can't be good for you because uh, what I'm talking about uh, guys is the Motorola, you know, they made a deal with Verizon that like they, they sell phones on other carriers and they'll sell some unlocked phones, but they're, it's, they save their best phones for, Verizon. for the for the Verizon Droid line. And so now they've cut themselves, at least in the U.S., out of three quarters of three out of four carriers. When people don't, like Samsung, know better than, than to do carrier exclusives anymore. Like, we've got to be on all the carriers right. to, to compete. Um, so they, they've locked themselves into Verizon. And what do they get in exchange? They're not even the most uh, well-liked or well-promoted um, thing on Verizon. Right. You know, Verizon, yeah, okay, you can, you know, you're only on us, but meanwhile, we're actually in our commercials and marketing going to spend just as much money, uh, you know, pushing other things. Or they don't even, ha I mean, you know, so they've had, I think they've had a really hard time breaking out of Verizon's shadow. I agree. Uh, with this droid brand, which is exclusive to, to Verizon. Um, and I think, I think that's gotta have hurt the overall brand. Cause it's not like they made really good stuff on the other brands, you know, on the other carriers. Sure. Um, you know, and they've had some good phones. Yeah. Like the, the, what is it? The, is it the pure, the one that came out in September or whatever. I mean, that thing is innovative you can drop it from like 10 feet onto concrete and the glass doesn't smash. Which is crazy. No other phone 
No other phone that I have that we have tested does that. Everything else is going to break. Is going to have a broken screen. Yep. Or you need some type of like super duper OtterBox case to protect right. it. No, you can drop this for real onto like concrete from from like six, seven, eight, maybe even ten feet, and it will survive no problem. So that alone is great and innovative, but. You know, it just kind of gets pigeonholed into the, well, this is our droid release that, well, very few people are going to care about, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and then they had the good idea of having those accessories, too, where you could pop them on, which I thought was a good idea. But once again, it, it's only a good idea if a lot of people are buying your phone. Exactly. And you've got you've, you've to get a lot of the handsets out before the mod concept can possibly catch on in any way that matters. You know, and Lenovo, they also have done some very innovative things mm-hmm. on the Lenovo branded phones. Uh, the, was it the fab fab two, the, uh, the first phone to, uh, the first phone with the three D with, uh, 3d cameras so that you can do yeah. the room mapping and right. all that. Yep. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, they've done some really innovative things, but I think they're doing, and maybe this is why they're trying to rebrand to Motorola. I think they've done a poor job of marketing yeah. their phones. Well, it sounds like they now have a, a renewed focus on branding. What, whatever that, whatever they think that the focus should be, that's, that's all them. But it, it sounds like they've, at least to an extent, agree that that there's been some branding issues. That there's been some some overall issues with who they are and what their devices are, and they're making a move to try and fix it. So you you got to give them credit for it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to pull it off, though, because any kind of shift like this is a major move to make. It's not easy. Uh, when we rebranded our show, it wasn't easy, <laughs> and you know, we're not Lenovo. We're just re, just rebranding this show. However many years ago it was. Wow, that was a long time ago. Um, that that wasn't an easy task. So, I I wish them luck, um, because they've got uh, quite a task ahead of them. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, these are the Monster Elements. I love them. I wear them all the time. They come in the full on-ear, or full over-ear like I'm wearing. They come in an on-ear as well. But of course, full-size headphones aren't for everybody. They don't work well at the gym, right? That's where the iSport line comes in. They're perfect. Uh, for working out, a number of professional athletes use them. Uh, they come in in-ear, on-ear, over-ear, f- uh, full styles, and speakers. Speakers galore. From the little hotshot to the full-size Monster Blaster. They're all available by going to f5live.tv monster.
And that sound means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch, who is right here next to me. How are you doing? Good, good. Excellent. It's been been uh, two weeks since we've uh, had the, the pleasure of doing a Pilch Point. So uh, what have you gotten yourself into? Well, as I said at the beginning of our hour, uh, playing, uh, working on for LaptopMag.com, where I'm the online editorial director, our tech support showdown, where we do lots of undercover uh, tech support requests with laptop, the major laptop manufacturers, so we can grade uh, Apple, Dell, HP, Lenovo, etc. on how good their phone and web support is. Uh, you'll see that story on our site by Thursday this week. Uh, and... Uh, we're looking at some of the cool, uh, cool toys that we got from uh, talking to um, folks at Toy Fair, and uh, working a little bit on on uh, robot project. Now I will tell you that my favorite thing that you guys do, my my favorite content that is produced is the the tech support showdown. Great, I'm glad. Well, after the tech support showdown, um, about a but then a few weeks later, we will be doing the best and worst of brands, which is the most popular thing we do all year. And it's partially based on the tech support showdown sure. research, uh, where we actually rate the brands as a whole, not just their tech support. Um, but uh, it is hair. See, I had hair before when I started it. Um, <laughs> it uh, is hair tearing out work to make all those support calls. Uh, and, it's, and it's actually that's a funny comment because I, I noticed that since the last show that that had changed. <laughs> I, I, I I like to I mean I hasten to admit it, but I a few years ago started losing my hair. So when I get a chance to actually like even it out by shaving it all off, I, or, or trimming it all off, I like that because it's, it's less. It looks like to me. It looks like less of a bald spot to to be like a whole a full right said Fred, than a you know, it, than to be you know. It looks like a con- It looks like a conscious decision as opposed to uh yeah an enforced policy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Take control. I mean, so Fair so enough. yeah. It's uh, any anyhow. So so we've got the tech support showdown and uh, brand lineups coming up in the next this week and then in a couple of weeks but tonight we're gonna kind of finish a conversation we started two weeks ago about toy fair yes so toy fair is the i think country's leading uh new york uh trade show for toys you cannot bring kids in fact they have a little thing on the back of the badge that says don't embarrass yourself and your child by trying to get in with them but who will throw them out so it is serious huh. trade show for toys for most of the toy companies. We actually had to make an appointment to see them. We couldn't just draw by their booths and, and they're like, things are very, uh, locked down. Okay. So, uh, it was definitely not in the spirit of toys. <laughs> it was in the spirit Fair of enough. business, but, um, nevertheless, forgetting whether, you know, putting aside for a second, the fair part portion of it, we saw a lot of really cool tech toys that are coming out over the next few months that uh, parents 
and children of all ages, let's say, will want to will want to keep their eye on. Uh, some of these things are coming in the fall, and some of them are coming uh, sooner. So, um, you know, we have a list on Tom'sGuide.com of uh, of our favorites. Uh, if you look up the hottest tech toys from Toy Fair 2017, uh, and uh, there's some really cool things out there. So, um, to get to get started, the coolest thing I saw, uh, it, the coolest thing I saw is the Air Hogs DR1 FPV drone. Wow, okay. that's a name I haven't heard in a long time since I Air Hogs. Yeah. So Air Hogs is a big drone maker these days. They are owned by Spinmaster. Spinmaster is a major toy company. They uh, they make a they make. Um, they also make the Meccano uh, robots, really? uh, which are which are also cool. They're coming out with a new Meccano uh, for the holiday season called the Meccano Max, M-A-X, which is about yo-high uh, programmable uh, r- little robot on wheels that looks a lot like Wally that you can build. So uh, a whole lot smaller than their their child-sized one. They had the child-sized one, then they had like a mini Meccano before. So this the Max one, I think, is just right. It's about... I don't know. It's just about a foot tall. Okay. Uh, I think it takes voice commands. You can program it. Um, pretty cool. They also have one that that's going to be. I think that's going to be a couple hundred bucks. Um, they're going to have one that's a, I think about a hundred, hundred twenty-five. That's a robotic spider that can like claw things. Um, so it's that's kind of cool. I mean, it doesn't look like a. It's shaped like a spider, but it's a. You know, basically looks like an erector set. Because uh-huh. uh, it's actually erector set called erector set in other countries, so that's that's also the brand name it, for uh, those things. It it probably looks like the uh, the spider from the Will Smith movie. Yeah, it does. It does from Wild Wild West. Uh, more like that than I think than the spider that uh, that Gene Simmons uses to kill people and run away. Is that what it's called? Uh, anyway, so. Uh, so anyway, the Air Hogs is another brand of theirs, and Air Hogs uh, makes a lot of drones. But the cool thing about the FPV drone is FPV, first-person view. So it's actually sure. made to be for like professional drone racers, okay. which there are. It is going to be $99. It's a little quad, micro quadricopter. comes with a controller, and it comes with a headset. The headset, you've got to have a phone. You, know, you put your sure. phone in the headset. You run the app and you can see what the drone is seeing while you control it. Very cool. So it's it's like the F- you see what the drone is doing. Uh, so th- so that's really cool. Um, I really like that that so that obviously means the drone has a camera. Um, the uh, and it's little. Yeah, it's little, which you know has its pluses and minuses. Sure. The plus of having a little one is you can fly it indoors, or yeah. you really sh- are supposed to mainly fly it indoors, um, and, and you don't need to like get drone insurance and call and notify the FAA because if I think if your drone is like, is it half a pound? You got to look this up, folks, if you're if you're really interested. But if your drone is above a certain weight, which is really quite low, you're actually legally required to register it with the FAA. Right. Um, which is weird if you're giving it to an eight-year-old and they're like, you can't drive, but you can register with the FAA. So, <laughs> um, you know, so um, there's for um, primarily targeted girls, there's Hello Barbie Hologram. It is uh, like Princess Leia in Star Wars. It's like a little tiny hologram. 
uh, and you talk to it and it's a, like a little bit of a digital assistant, Alexa style, but it's primarily, oh. it can keep a schedule for you and things like that, but it's primarily for cutesy stuff like Barbie, you know, how's the weather in Malibu? Oh, it's great. I'm going to surf. So, you know, it's kind of a cute digital friend slash assistant type of thing but not not too serious i want to say that i appreciate that explanation because two weeks ago when we had our our brief conversation at the beginning of the show you you very quickly glossed over and said holographic barbie and when i was rewatching the show earlier today i looked at my own face and i'm i'm like what but i couldn't go back to it because we got going in the conversation too fast. I'm so glad to finally have some closure on that topic. If people want more closure, like a video demo, you can go to TomSky.com where we have a whole article about the holographic Barbie. Awesome. Um, which will be out this fall from, from Mattel. Um, the, uh, Spin Master also makes something called the Hero Droid BB-8. Which is probably going, which is going to be the best BB-8 droid you can buy, because <laughs> it's a there's a market, I guess. Uh, it's like about two and a half feet tall, uh, and it follows you. It can follow you around, take voice commands. You can tell it cute things like, like Kylo Ren, and it'll go hide. Like it has a bunch of voice <laughs> commands. It does. It it can actually knows you and can follow you around. It looks very much. You know, it's a little shorter, obviously, but it looks and moves sure. very much like the real, the real, the the, the BB-8 from the movie. <laughs> you know, um, real is subjective head, in this like in this particular. Rolls, the ball and the head are not attached; they're magnetically attached, so okay. so it kind of bobbles like in the movie. Okay, so um, it's it is it basically like a big version of the Sphero with interesting voice commands to it. I guess you could say that. I mean, the Sphero is is tiny, right? So yeah. this is. So, uh, and I think they didn't say anything about a phone app for this in the sphere. I think you're okay. primarily using a phone app. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yes, you could, you could say that. Okay. Um, te- uh, there's a new Teddy Ruxpin in town. Uh, Eddie Ruxpin actually hasn't been on the market for a while, but they have a new one that's all digital. And okay. so it tells you stories and you can, it's like, it's like a new revenue stream because you can actually download and unlock new stories for it. Um, sure. Like buying cassettes for the old one. Oh, is that what you did? Yeah. I never had one. Okay. So, yes, you can now do that. And the eyes, instead of being like a creepy mechanical eyes, they're creepy uh, LED eyes. Oh, yeah. That's but, better. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have to say, though, the people that I went with, uh, Sheree Smith, my colleague, was absolutely in love with Teddy Ruxpin. Um, I believe that. Everything at the show pretty much like was STEM. Everybody's talking about how can you teach kids more about science? How can you get them interested in robotics and things? So I have a couple things here that were sent to me after the show by a, a lovely company called Technology Will Save Us. That's the name of the company, believe oh. it or not. This is uh, on the market right now, just just launched, called the Mover Kit. What it does, I think it's about $100. They said it's first debuted at Nordstrom, and you're going to be able to get it other places online too. It's like a fitness tracker for kids eight and up. But it's not just a fitness. It's not really made to track fitness. It's you take it apart. I haven't taken this out of the box yet. You actually build it, although it's very easy to build. There's only a few parts. 
and then you can program it to do different things and it lights up all these colors. So for example, one of the things that um, they told me you can do with it is like one kid programmed it to like light up after he brushes his teeth for two minutes so he knows he's brushed his teeth long enough. Or if you jump right. up and down or whatever and you, you program it. Um, so it's a fairly simple programming, I think, but you program it. Uh, for kids my son's age, they sent me, and this was so fun, I opened it up so it doesn't look so good in the box anymore. Uh, so for all some tech, we'll save us something called Electro Dough. So uh, what it is is, did you know, I did not know this, that Play-Doh can conduct electricity. So I had no idea, but that's kind of awesome. They recommend that you make your own Play-Doh-like substance but they don't give you any. They just give you instructions like buy flour, buy these things, buy salt, and you make this stuff. I was too lazy to do that, so I took some of my son's Play-Doh. I think the regular, I think the one you make yourself might be more conductive. Uh, but what they give you is it's like a little electronics kit. This is like a battery holder. You put four AA batteries. You have jumper wires, and you have a whole bunch of LEDs. Uh, and so. What you can do with it is you can do it to make all kinds of and you have a bunch of LEDs, you have a, a little buzzer and you have something that I think can act as a switch. So you literally wire things through gobs of Play-Doh and you can create things like a light up face or just make all kinds of creations out of Play-Doh and you run the jumper cables through them. And, the, and that's basically like a, a breadboard uh, for those who know electronics. Um, doesn't really conduct as well as a breadboard, I have to say. <laughs> it's a it is a blast to play with with my son. It's made for kids his age four and up, and uh, he actually learned something about electricity uh, from this. So that's awesome. Um, so I think that's cool. That's for kids on the low end uh, of the age group. This company, this company's got all kinds of stuff. Tech will save us. Yeah, they yeah. also have like a game controller that's made with our like a little miniature game thing that's made with Arduino. Uh, small company. I met. I met the uh, the founder, the owner, and he was a real good guy. And he was really big on like he told me a little anecdote that I thought was strange and yet wonderful. They the some of the kits they have have like little boards, circuit boards in them. Not the two I showed you, but like the Arduino, like the it's not an Arduino, the one that's like a game kit that uses an Arduino uh -huh. inside. And he said that they sell them in the soldered and unsoldered version. So in other words, you can buy it so that you actually need to do the soldering. Uh -huh. And he said that more people buy their kids the version that needs to be soldered than don't than doesn't need to be soldered. And that he thinks it's great for kids who are like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old to be learning how to solder with a soldering iron. So, you know, at first I was like, oh, that's, you know, you better watch them. <laughs> You're going to burn yourself. Yeah. But on the other hand... You know, it's a really good skill uh, to have. So apparently a lot of people are into actually teaching kids of that age how to solder. I would, I'm significantly uh, older than that, and I'm just about learning now. I, I would argue a little bit that perhaps it's purchased by parents who don't know what the difference is because there's a 20 – their whole website's in British pounds. I can't convince it to go to U.S. dollars. Um, it's 20 pounds different. For the soldered version it's less expensive for the other one so i would argue that while some parents are buying the unsoldered because they think it's a good skill to teach others might be buying it because they're confused on the price difference oh okay just a guess 
But I, I do like I do like that the soldered one has a little sticker that says soldered with love. Yeah. I, I mean they're really it's a small company and they're really into doing uh this doing cool stuff. I, I really uh I really do like the electro dough kit uh a lot that we that we played with and I like the fact that it's targeted toward uh young kids. Yeah. You know, a lot of the tech stuff is not is either really dumbed down for young kids, like, oh, we call this programming, but it's really just taking two pieces of plastic and snapping them together. Uh-huh. Uh, or, you know, or they they don't do anything. And so, like, to have something where you're like, well, you know, we're going to teach a four-year-old about ele- electrical circuits, mm-hmm. like, that's cool. You know, that's using Play-Doh, which they already know about. Right. Um, it's It's a thing that they already know and are familiar with. And giving it new capabilities, which is a fascinating uh, way of of dealing with it. Yeah, so a lot of cool stuff in our um, in our. I won't spoil it all. There's a lot of cool stuff yeah. in our hottest toy fairs uh, article. The last one I I will mention, which is a little bit off the beaten path of tech. There's a lot of robot kits in our thing, which you should see. And there's probably more that more that weren't even new at the show, um, but. Um, there is a new Batman car that is that was one of the coolest demos of something I've I've seen in a while. Okay. Uh, what it what it is is I'm getting the name of it now. The Justice. This is from Mattel. It's okay. coming. The Justice League Ultimate Batmobile. It is a radio control Batmobile that looks just like the Batmobile tank that Ben Affleck drives in um, Batman versus Superman. It's like actually bigger. It's like real big, so to speak. It emits real. It is down to the detail, like in the movie. It emits. It billows smoke from the back. It has like realistic looking cannons and things on it. Inside of the cockpit opens up, and inside there's a Batman action figure. And while you drive it, the steering wheel moves, and he actually steers. And there's a camera inside that shows you, I guess, on your phone what Batman is seeing while he drives around. That's so cool. I did a, I did a, a search on, on Bing for, for this while you were talking, and um, uh, Cherie's article is the one that came up first. Yeah. Really, there, really you got to see a video of it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. Um, I have to say the six in, the uh, plastic Batman uh, acts is does some better acting in this than Ben Affleck in the movie. So, um, you know, so uh, lots of lots of cool stuff, uh, lots of cool toys coming uh, for the the kids of all ages in, in your life. Some are coming this spring, some are coming in in the fall, but um, you know. Fun stuff and, and really educational things, things that like parents can enjoy playing with with their kids. Sure. Uh, like like this kit, like this uh, Tech Will Save Us Electro Dough kit. Um, because, you know, like, you know, I'm learning stuff, he's learning stuff. Uh, it's a great act. You know, when you can do that with your kids, it's a, it's a great activity. Absolutely. Well, Avram, as always, we, I, I love it when you bring stuff. <laughs> and, and I, I like that company. I've not personally interacted with them or come across them, um, but scrolling through their website, I really like the stuff that they're offering. So I, uh, 
I'm going to do some more research into them. Um, so where can people go to find out, uh, to, to see the article and all that? So tomsguy.com, go there, search for Hottest Tech Toys uh, or Toy Fair, um, and it's there. Uh, obviously, we have our tech support showdown coming on laptopmag.com uh, this week as well. Fantastic. Well, um, obviously, you'll be around for the rest of the show, but uh, for for the Pilch Point, we will see you back next week. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Um, better together, complete your setup with specially curated bundles just for your gaming setup for gamers by gamers. Um, there are mechanical keyboards and light up mouse pads and uh, gaming centric headphones and all kinds of products specifically designed uh, to complete your gaming setup and in bundles to help you save money. And you can find all of those bundles and all of those products by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. So we started the show by talking about uh, some Mobile World Congress related news. We'll continue by talking about some uh, GDC related news. Uh, for those who don't know, the Game Developers Conference uh, is starting to steal some thunder from E3, and some interesting stuff is being announced there instead of uh, waiting a couple of months for E3. And uh, this week, we got some interesting news out of Microsoft uh, about the Xbox brand. We know that under the last two CEOs, the uh, Xbox brand has seen uh, an expansion in its intention under Steve Ballmer. It went a little sideways, and his idea was that it would be the all-encompassing media brand, which has been undone. But uh, under Satya Nadala, we've seen an expansion of what Xbox means in the gaming world. The thing that it is good at, we've seen it expand, right? Uh, instead of just being the console, it's also... Uh, the the umbrella brand for gaming on PC on uh, Windows Mobile, and uh, with that, obviously that means that Microsoft needs to start focusing and uh, putting some energy into getting content into those platforms. And so with that, the Xbox Live Creators Program has arrived. It's a little similar to the uh, Steam Direct from Valve. That, that Avram and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, in that it is an indie game-focused program. Now, some of you might be thinking, but wait, does not Xbox have the ID at Xbox program? Indeed they do, but this is different. Um, to be uh, considered for ID at Xbox, you've got uh, to be of a certain size, and there's a whole approval process that you go through, and um, that's because you get access to a lot of things that uh, traditional developers get access to. But if that's not what you need, like if you don't need um, to have in-game achievements and you don't need to use Xbox Live multiplayer engine and things like that, 
then uh, then the new creators program is for you. There are a couple of limitations. For example, what I just said, you don't have access to to the multiplayer and achievements and things like that. But what you do have is the ability to get a hold of account info and stuff like that, uh, uh, hubs. Um, but um, they do have to be built as Windows uh, universal platform applications, which is really easy because things like Construct2, Monogame, Unity, and uh, Zenko, which tend to be the platforms of choice for small indie developers, one or two person shops, um, already they will publish to UWP. So for very little work, you can get your game on Xbox One and on uh, Windows 10 through Xbox without, without all the hassle of the ID at Xbox, which I think is a pretty cool thing. And it was the thing that had to happen after Valve announced Steam Direct. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, um, Xbox keeps growing as a platform. They uh, obviously Microsoft has to play both the PC and the console side of the um, of the world, sure. I guess you could say, because they have, um, which I guess is good for them, right? They have they have feet in both. They have skin in the game in both. Yeah. Windows gaming on Windows. I mean, they run the operating system there, so right. they obviously have a lot of interest in that platform continuing to be successful. Right. On the other hand, they have console people and console. You know, uh, a lot of gamer. There are some gamers that they're really big only on console. They're really big only on PC. Right. So, uh, you know, they're trying to to bridge the gap. Um. Good for them. Uh, one thing I'm I'm really curious to see is um what happens with um what happens with the new with xbox and vr because we know that there are all of these new uh windows vr headsets coming yes in fact i believe it was this week at gdc that acer uh that microsoft announced that they're coming out with that this developer kit is coming from Acer for three hundred dollars. Yes, uh, I would like to get one. Um, <laughs> Me just too. To see, just to see what it does. Um, and it's and it's important to note. I'm actually working on a, a terminology guide right now. A lot of people have reported that it is a VR headset. It is a mixed reality headset. It is designed with dual cameras to simulate um, uh, the the mixed reality, the AR without um, the expensiveness of the HoloLens see-through screen. Ah, yeah. Well, that's good because obviously then you can presumably run Windows Hollow. Yes. Windows holographic apps on it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So it is a, it's a $300 Windows holographic compatible headset. Ah, that's good. I, I did not realize that it was also holographic. Yeah. It was mixed reality. So that's great. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to see how what, what happens with Xbox. So they're making the, they have this program for Windows. Xbox and Windows are supposed to be getting closer. Does that mean that I could plug that if I have an Xbox, I could plug that headset directly into my Xbox and use it that way? Not today. My guess is we will hear them make that announcement at uh, E3. 
I don't think they're ready to make the announcement yet. But yes, that that is absolutely the intention. The intention is for any of the the Windows holographic headsets, any of the Windows 10 capable headsets, to be um, uh, Xbox capable as well. Um, that capability will launch alongside Scorpio or whatever its uh, uh, sales name <laughs> X, turns out Xbox, to be. Xbox Xbox Two. <laughs> Xbox 720. The, um, the Xbox One V, because we've got the One S. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's hard for these companies to move on from one, because, what you know, we're at one. We can't go to two. Yeah. One is number one. The, because the Xbox One is actually about the, the Windows, the one core for Windows, and not about a model number or a version number. But you had, like, HTC One. Yeah. You know, companies call it one. And then the other thing they can't get past is 10. Like, there's no going past 10, right? Because Windows OS 10 X. is supposed OS X has been OS X for, like, eight versions now or something. It, and has, you been, have, it has been OS X for 19 years. Right, exactly. So it's when it's it's 10, operating system 10, but really it's operating system 30 or something. Right. Um, and then... You know, and then of course there's the you know, there's Windows 10, which they say we're never going to come out with a Windows 11. You're just going to keep coming up with updates for Windows 10. So you can see that people cannot, you know, people can't get past one, <laughs> and they can't get past 10. And then then there's Intel that can't get past Intel that can't get past five, because they kept calling. I mean, I guess they don't. I guess you know it's their low end thing now, but Pentium. How many versions of Pentium have they had? Yeah. Uh, Pen Penta obviously is five, and it was it came after the 486. Right. So it was supposed to be the fifth generation. Right. Uh, it was the the 586 theoretically, it, but yes, it was. But it stuck around for 25 years. Exactly. So I guess everybody's stuck on a number, uh, but but. And then there's uh, Microsoft that's stuck on two, one and ten. They've fallen uh, into two of those traps. Yes, but uh, despite the naming issues, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for those headsets, and I'm excited to see people creating these games that operate that are UWP. Yeah, Um, and and that's the cool thing about the creators update, right? If you use something like uh, Unity or Mono Game, uh, you can create a single game that through the creators program. You'll be able to publish to the Xbox One, to Windows 10, to Windows Holographic, to Windows 10 Mobile. You can you can publish that game everywhere in a single publish and do it uh, with access to Xbox Live APIs. So that's new for the creator update with the creators program. Oh, the they, creators program. They have bought into the into the the maker community using the creators name for both the update and this new program. Ah, yeah, cool. So um, they also announced uh, something kind of cool, Xbox Game Pass. It's essentially EA All Access, uh, but for Xbox games as a whole, it'll be 10 bucks a month, um, 10 bucks a month versus PlayStation's version, which is 20 a month. Uh, It'll have it'll launch with 100 titles in it. Titles will rotate in and out on a fairly regular basis. and it'll include things like Halo Five Guardians. Like they're gonna, they're starting with 
some fairly modern stuff in there. Um, whereas like the PlayStation version is just older, older titles. Uh, and then when a game cycles out, they're going to offer a discount on the, on the game if you want to keep it. And you're not streaming titles, which I think is a wonderful difference. You're not streaming the games like on the PS4. You can actually just download the, the games right to your console as if you purchased them. So there's no network lag and things like that, which I think is a, a wonderful change. So this is a, I think this is a great program. The $10 a month for 100 games at a time, I think is a great... Netflix has proven that this is a, a model that works. So... Um, I think this is going to be together, both of these together, and then the addition, like we were just talking about, of uh, the holographic uh, system being uh, able to be generated off of the Xbox in coming updates, I think is going to be a huge deal uh, for for Xbox. It's the th it's All of this is what we've been kind of building up to since the console launched, and I'm really excited to see it in action. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let the professionals do it for you because it's what they do for a living. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000, not the ones doing the remake, are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from Blockbusters 2. I swear to God, this says The Maturing Woman. I don't know what that means, but it sure sounds like a, an elementary uh, school health video um they've got a little bit of everything the way it usually works is for a couple of dollars you download the mp3 play it along with your dvd netflix amazon hulu wherever the movie lives and laugh um but they also offer short films like this one which is from 1977 and oh it is it's uh by a couple of phd project from a couple of women's studies majors so it'll be wonderful while they make fun of it. Uh, they also, from time to time, do some uh, live events. They don't have any on the schedule right now. The uh, the slate for 2017 will be announced soon. Um, but to sign up to find out what live events are coming up, to see what short films are available and what movies you can have a blast laughing at, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Those short films are the worst. And when it comes to riff tracks, that's a good thing. Anyway, so so this week something interesting happened. Uh, Amazon uh, proved something that Avram and I have known for a long time, that a single point of failure can uh, cause problems to the internet. <laughs> uh, you may remember that Avram and I discussed in 2011... When BlackBerry had a massive, uh, massive server failure and corporations the world over could not access their email. Um, well, Amazon uh, did it this week. So, so obviously the cloud is here and it's going to stay and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, hell, the, the show you're watching right now, if you're not watching it live, you're probably watching it from... Uh, 
a Microsoft Azure server. So the, the cloud is here and it is what it is, uh, but it does create these single points of failure, um, which is unfortunate, but here's the real story. The real story is that this single point of failure failed because of an institutional failure within Amazon. And let me explain what happened. So Amazon blames the outage that took down the S3 servers in Northern Virginia uh, for half a day on a technician um, updating some servers with new billing information um, and a single typo that instead of taking down a very small collection of servers, took down the entire set, which affected over 150,000 websites uh, in one way or another, which is massive. <laughs> but that's not what actually happened. What actually happened was Amazon has a system that allowed a person to take down all of the servers in the data center with a single command, which is idiotic. The system should have said, this is a bad idea, no thank you, and prevented all of these companies, all of these websites, all of these apps from seeing their servers fail out from under them for something that they had no control over. Um, there, there should be a fail-safe on a system like this that prevents a single human being from shutting down a data, a data center. <laughs> that, that should not... Short of a major storm that destroys the building or a several-day power outage, this should not have been possible. So this is a someone's getting fired kind of moment. <laughs> and... My my guess is not the the poor technician who made a typo, but the the team that built the system that allowed it to happen. They are the ones who should be yeah, I mean, I, under I, scrutiny. I agree with that. Because typos um, happen. AT AT and T AT and T. Uh, I, I think it was twenty years ago. Made a very small uh, change to a bit of their software, and. Um, Long distance shut down in the Northeast for like hours. <laughs> We've known that stuff like this shouldn't be allowed to happen. And it's not the person's fault who made a typo. Typos happen. It's, it shouldn't, it, the system should have gone, no, thank you. It's a bad move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would think it would make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, on the other hand, um, it might be fair to say that we don't totally have all the details because th this explanation comes straight from Microsoft, right? From Amazon. Oh, I'm sorry. From Amazon. Yes. Straight from Amazon, right? Yes. So, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not saying that they're motivated not, to, you know, to tell us everything, but sure. it is their internal system. So, you know, it, it could be that, you know, there's, other things at play that they don't want to talk about. Absolutely. I, I don't, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, I don't, you know, I have nothing to go on, but I'm, I'm just saying, um, you know, this is a, well, it's as good an explanation as any, I guess. Sure. But, um, yeah, it's, I think what it shows is a lot of really big companies are dependent on Amazon for web serving. So I think a lot of people in the public don't realize this, but, Amazon is a huge um, server, you know, hosting yeah. service. 
for for really big websites. Yeah. Um, we we learned during the uh, the hurricane in Virginia. Interestingly, uh, this same data center um, that that Netflix uses AWS for part of their hosting because whole parts of Netflix went down during the hurricane when the data center went down. <laughs> so even companies like Netflix are are in AWS with without some sort of a CDN, but that's that that's them making a mistake and whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's um on the one hand, you could say, well, these companies should, should diversify and find other places to be hosted. On the other hand, uh, you know, as someone who's worked for a few web companies that were medium sized, let's say, you know, you're actually probably better off having someone who's really good at hosting uh-huh. doing your hosting Absolutely. than trying to maintain your own server farms. That is for so, sure. So I've, you know, I've known companies where they had to maintain their own server farms. Great. And then what happens? Oh, now you need, you know, but you don't have the resources to have the like really aggressive 24 hour monitoring. Yeah. You know, so um, I remember when I first, you know, uh, I used to work at, a, at about.com for, for many years. Right. Uh, and when I first started there. They host. They had all of their. They owned all of their own servers, and they were in various data centers, right? So you know, there were times when these things went down, and you'd be like, "Well, who's over there to fix it?" Oh, the guy's asleep. We got to call him to run over. Or what you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it. And then you know, if you want to have the right amount of people, then you got to spend a lot of money. Certainly, a lot they, more than you're paying Amazon or Microsoft for, uh, for whatever they call their blob storage. Exactly. So it makes sense to me like that you should, that one should use a major provider like Amazon who has lots of efficiencies from hosting lots of people. But if you're, um, I, I I won't say the name, but somebody that, that we're involved with, uh, that is a, a hosting provider uses Amazon S3 in this Virginia uh, data center as their back end um, and they went down. If, if you're doing like media hosting, you should have a content delivery network on top of your, your S3 or your Amazon blob storage. If you're that kind of size, like for us, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense because it's, it's too much money for, for you know the subscription that you and I get for these shows, it it just doesn't make sense. But if you're you know if you're serving hundreds of thousands and millions of of requests a day, you should have a CDN on top of it so that if the data center goes down, it doesn't matter. But that's that's a a complicated topic. <laughs> it's it's always surprising to me when when companies make these these uh decisions like this uh to to allow for a single point of failure because a cdn would eliminate that single point of failure if amazon or microsoft disappears out from under it all of your media will continue to be hosted 
it just may slow down a little bit because all of a sudden you're having to go to a, a cash server in New Zealand or, you know, okay, fine. Who cares? It slows down a little bit, but your whole system doesn't just fail. But, you know, it it certainly has uh, re-raised the single point of failure conversation that you and I had six years ago <laughs> when BlackBerry had it. And um, hopefully it will make people think a little harder about their... I, I'm not saying don't use the cloud. I'm saying think about your cloud infrastructure, I guess, is the, the thing. The, go, go contact Verizon CDN or something like that. There's, there's plenty of options to prevent this in the future. And hopefully people will uh, start investigating it. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. All the music you love, play ad-free music from one of the largest catalogs on the planet. Uh, last number I heard was 41 million tracks. Uh, you can listen on your PC, on your tablet, Xbox One, Xbox 360, your smartphone, the web, and it doesn't matter the platform, Android, iPhone, Windows Mobile, Windows Phone, Windows 10, anywhere you are, you can use Groove. Uh, I use it all the time. Uh, <clears throat> just went to South Florida last last week, right? All the way there, all the way back, listening to music with Groove. You can download music on up to three devices so that when you're going through the Everglades and you have absolutely no service, you can continue to have your music playing. Uh, during your drive and you can get a free 30-day trial right now by going to f5live.tv slash groove all right so a company that we have talked about a number of times recently um, is title and for those of you who don't know title is um, a music streaming company as well who uh has differentiated themselves by offering a premium tier of uh, lossless uh, FLAC audio streaming. It means that your file sizes are much larger. So if you're on a on a limited internet connection, you might want to download those tracks <laughs> before you go cellular. Uh, but if you're on unlimited, it may not matter to you quite as much because the file sizes are much, much bigger, MP3, uh, tends to be about a megabyte per minute, so a three-minute song uh, is usually about three meg, give or take, whereas FLAC, um, a track, can be somewhere in the 100 meg range, which is obviously significantly different, um, but the sound quality is far, far higher than MP3. Well, its only distinguishing feature may not be so distinguishing in the near future as Spotify is tipped to be launching the same capability for an additional fee. We do not know what that additional fee is, and here's why. A number of emails were sent out to gauge interest in the new feature, and they have a variety of prices, ranging from 5 to 750 to $10 additional per month. Um, my guess is that they're trying to figure out what price point uh, actually garners interest and uh, 
So this is an interesting idea because it sure uh, uh, title has shown that there is some interest, some value in their their uh, kind of unique feature. Sprint just purchased a thirty three percent stake in the company, um, and so maybe Spotify sees an ability to uh, to capitalize on the news of Title and uh, bring in some extra revenue without having to get new customers, which is always incredibly expensive. Yeah, I mean, that's a good business move, right? Because you're already a very successful company. Spotify, I don't know if, I don't know if there's, I haven't seen any market share numbers, but Spotify has to be near the top last I in heard terms they, of streaming services. Last I heard, they were still the market leader. Yeah, I mean, that's usually the name that I see, that I hear in terms of all, all unlimited streaming audio services. Yeah. Um, for pay pay per song, I think it must be iTunes. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, why not offer that service? Why not offer that service? They already have agreements with all of the company, you know, right. With all the various, uh, record labels, um, you know, more, more money. Now, the interesting question I think about this is if these are starting to catch on, if paying extra for flack, uh, audio is starting to catch on, um, what you know how to bandwidth limits uh right. kind of play into this right uh, obviously we're seeing on the mobile end a move toward unlimited bandwidth right oh well what poses unlimited Ish. bandwidth? i think they start start throttling you after what 24 25 gig depends on the uh, service but yeah it's somewhere in there you know but but still you know um better than than it has been right um but we also have some home internet services that um, that have caps. Like, uh, doesn't Comcast have like a 150 gigabyte a month cap or something like that? They have some some markets where they've been testing that that ability. Yeah, testing. You know, uh, so I think, you know, I mean, obviously at this level, it's probably not that big a deal. Uh, you know, for the network as a whole, unless this becomes really big, but you know, you're streaming stuff, a hundred mega song, you're streaming for an hour uh-huh. for a day. Like, and each song is like, if you're going from like three megs to a hundred megs, isn't that like an order of magnitude of like, you know, something like 45 times yeah. more data that you're using. Yep. I don't know. Um, so, Good move by Spotify. I wonder though if these things get more popular, if it's going to become, if it's going to become kind of an issue, a bandwidth issue. And then look at the flip side of this. Um, we know that uh, the FCC these days is talking a lot about um, ending net neutrality. Um, so you have some concerns about Netflix, which has been sort of the poster child for the ISPs uh, don't like Netflix because <laughs> of all the bandwidth Netflix uses. And they're, they are, they're the only internet service that on bandwidth graphs gets their own piece of the graph. Right. So they're eating up all this bandwidth. Um, you know, they want, uh, ISPs want Netflix to pay them. Mm-hmm. Um which you know I, I don't agree with because the, the customers paying and you know Netflix 
it, it, it means that companies like Netflix and Spotify will have to start chart pass the, the uh, passing pa- the cost not only on. pass it along to the customer though but if you're a smaller company and you're trying to offer like a free service or something yeah. then you're not going to be able to compete or you're going to have to start charging such high it, it, it makes it harder for smaller companies to compete right. and get into the game but anyway i just wonder if this is now going to make a spotify make spotify into the bandwidth um user I hate it when people call someone a bandwidth hog, even if it's a com- big company like hog. What I'm just using internet, right? You know? Well, somebody who uses data bandwidth hog, don't do it. Uh, I hate it when the press does that. Like yeah. when my colleagues do that, I'm always like, we're not doing that because people are using the internet. We should not, you know, whether it's a person or company, say call them a bandwidth hog, right? But, because there's negative connotations. If, yeah, you know, if you're if you're the guy who's torrenting terabytes a day all right well you know maybe we'll have a conversation about what term to use there but if you're just streaming music that yeah there's no negative connotations to, to right that. you know what if you're streaming music a lot what if right. you're you know home all day streaming music so i could or, see this or being... us right now and right. all of the data that that the room that i'm sitting in right this second uses to produce this show yeah, it's you know you really don't want to have to think nickel and dime every right. every piece of data that you're using, um, you know. So I just wonder, like music has been such a low, relatively low bandwidth thing. I should say that I was listening to some streaming music on my limited data plan, and I ended up over the cap from doing it for like a couple of weeks. So uh, it's even the even the low quality. Um, you know, stuff yeah. is, can eat up your your bandwidth cap. Absolutely. But when you're getting up to 45 times more, then I people yeah. better be really. I'm just saying, people people who sign up for this better be really careful. And I think that and they may start. For it. And they may start hearing, like they may start hearing from their ISP. Certainly could be. I just because I thought it was an interesting piece of information uh 21 and a half gigs um just for the upload for the live show for for our hour and a half about 21 and a half gig right <laughs> about four and yeah. a half megabits a second now now imagine <laughs> if you were like life casting and doing it all day uh-huh exactly that's yeah. that is just for an hour and a half a week <laughs> And that doesn't count you coming in or any of the other stuff. That's just the out. Anyway, that was just an interesting stat. But yeah, uh, anybody who signs up for this or title for that matter, or or the uh, the the Deezer uh, competitor, which isn't a brand that anybody here knows, um, mostly a European brand like Spotify used to be, uh, should definitely know what they're getting themselves into. The file sizes are significantly bigger and that means that you're going to hit your caps faster so know what your internet capabilities are um prepare if there are songs that you listen to a lot download them on a on a non-throttled connection and use them just keep them on your device you know all the things that we talk about with groove and all of that apply them to the rest of the rest of your the rest of your life if you're uh if you're going with a with a flax streaming service because it can kill you quickly now, can wh- I wonder what internet speed you need to actually be able to stream 
flax? Like, is there a point at which if you don't have a high enough broadband, you have to, there's, you got to wait for the buffering. Or it'll just, like Netflix, it'll downplay to the next quality down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably. There's probably some of that. So, you know, if you, if you jump from a good, strong LTE connection to a, to a, a weak LTE or God forbid a 3G, um, it may kick you down to MP3 anyway. So there's also that to know. So anyway, it's an interesting idea. It's definitely, I think, in my opinion and in yours too, it's a smart move for the company. If you've already got the catalog and there's a new way to, uh, to generate revenue, why not? It seems like a smart move. And people want it. There's more than 10 people signed up for title. You know what I mean? It's... There, there are people who are using, uh, using the capability already, so it makes sense for a larger catalog than Tidal to get involved. I read this the other day. Do you know what the fastest growing segment in uh, music sales is? Uh, vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Vinyl. For uh, the same reason. France, right? France, and four other European countries. Uh, vinyl outsold CDs in 2016. Well, it's offering something extra. So, you know, I for one was very glad to get off of get off of record players and off of CDs and onto even the most possible convenient uh, service uh-huh. you know way of listening. But some people really, really care about the quality, and we're and, seeing it. And if you're, <laughs> we didn't set this up, but if you're interested in an interesting conversation about how to mix both the, uh, the, the warmth of vinyl with the convenience of digital, uh, slash CES. Look for, yes, it is. Um, we actually interviewed a company who has a hybrid solution to that problem. It's fascinating and definitely worth the, <laughs> worth the watch. I have one of their, their records, uh, here in the office. It's going on a, on an interesting wall I'm building. So, Anyway, so there's that too. See, tying CES coverage back in two months later. And that there is our show. I don't know. I don't know why I have started to say it that way. That there is our show. That's, <laughs> that's at least two shows in a row. I don't know why that's happening, but it is. You guys are just going to have to deal with it, I guess. Anyway, so that's the show. Um, thank you for those of us who have joined us live. I've uh, I've been watching in both live stream and Facebook. We've had uh, had people in the chat room uh, all evening. We appreciate you joining us live. And uh, for those of you who are listening recorded, we appreciate that as well. Uh, F5Live.tv, click on the subscribe link in the menu uh, to subscribe to this and all of our other shows, including First Looks, which will be live next Friday from the Orlando Regional of the first robotics competition, uh, obviously in Orlando, <laughs> at uh, uh, the University of Central Florida, where Danielle and I will be doing the show there. Um, and then it'll be simulcast, not simulcast, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, syndicated to the RSS feed there. So uh, if you're not able to join us live Friday, that's okay. You can also uh, uh, subscribe to that one. That. I always love doing that show because talking, talking to the teenagers about why they're involved in like engineering is always fascinating. 
So uh, definitely join us for that. All of our CES stuff is already out in the wild, but obviously it's all still relevant, as we just mentioned uh, one of the interviews a few minutes ago. Uh, so check that out as well. And I guess uh, with that, um, we will be live normal next Sunday just because we're doing the Friday other series does not mean it will preempt uh, F5 Live. So definitely look for us there as well. Uh, we have made our portable studio easier to deal with so we don't have to cancel the Sunday show just because we're doing another series. So with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys on Friday and Sunday next week. Ciao.